I've hit record. Okay. So that's the start. How do I intro this? <laughs> welcome. Welcome to um, the first of what I hope to be many podcasts with me, Rob, who you may know from my YouTube channel, Moto Bob. And I'm lucky to be joined by Tim today, who also creates YouTube videos on your channel. Rarefied Road. Yeah, I didn't know if I was going to pronounce it. No, most people say Rarefield. Rarefield Road. Rarefied Road. Maybe you got a branding issue on your hands there. I really, yeah, probably. I, I'll be honest. I only went for it because it then spells out RR if you abbreviate it, hmm? which makes sense for me. <laughs> RR it is then. Um, so the idea of this podcast is that we take a look at a few of the big motorcycle news stories over the last week or two. Yeah, I've picked out a few stories, but I think really just from like looking at my channel over the last week um, and looking at some of the coverage online, the hugest story in the last week or two on all the motorcycling websites, and it's blown up, as I've said on my channel, is the Triumph Rocket 3, mm. which was launched with some more comprehensive specs than uh, than a few months ago uh, just last week and they kind of talked a little bit about the power the talk and the price uh, so yeah I've, it's generated huge conversation uh, on the videos that i've posted and the interest levels are massive in this bike as well mm. and I, I don't know quite why that is i know it's a cult bike it's different isn't it really it, mm. it looks it's intriguing because they've, they've got an awful lot, especially for Triumph, I think they've got an awful lot of their modern classic range. And obviously they've got their triple range as well. Yeah. So it's nice to see them go in a different direction. Because I know from some of the videos I post, people are a little bit sick of Bonnevilles. Really? <laughs> Not like they like the Bonneville, but the fact that they keep coming up and you know revising it and bring out a new version. Yeah. They love it. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's something like the Speed Twin, for example. Yeah. Is actually quite popular, and I can tell because again, that's picked up loads of views on on my channel. Yeah, but the commentary is is still that oh, it's another Bonneville, despite how much they might then caveat that and say mm. it is awesome though. But you know, it's still another Bonneville at the end of the day. But is that like um, just a that's just a reality of like making a profitable motorbike company, isn't it? At the moment, is when you put all that R and D into like a new motor and whatever, you just spin out all these different variants of it. And you see it kind of Huge. across loads of manufacturers, you know, pretty much the same motor. And then, I don't know, hard to think of an example off the top of my head, but like the XSR retro version of the MT-07. Mm-hmm. And then that motor is going in the new Tenere as well. And so I think that's probably it. But as far as like manufacturers milking a platform for all it's worth, I think probably there are very few other applications of that Bonneville twin now. I can't personally left. think of one though. Genuinely, the speed the speed twin was one where I thought, yeah, I'd actually quite like. I was actually in the market for getting something similar, and I liked the T120. It didn't quite do everything for me. I loved the Thruxton, but I couldn't live with the day to day. And I was like, oh, if there was just something in the middle, mm, and then more they right. went and dropped that, and I went, oh, yeah, that's pretty much exactly what I was asking for. Great, thanks. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like the hype around the 1200 Scrambler was pretty big. Like I went to the launch True. event, and given that there wasn't that much substance to the event, you know, they didn't have a lot of the bikes on show. They did a bit of racing, which was fun, and there was some kind of food and drinks. But like, I'm still pretty surprised at how many people turned out. Yeah. Um, on a kind of weekday night and it was not cheap for food and drink and stuff and it's a little bit difficult to get to. Like, there's loads of people there. Yeah. Um, I, my curiosity is, because they fill a similar sort of niche to a lot of what Ducati do, they sort of, they're, they're playing around the same, similar sort of markets, at least. Mm. I think in terms of which one was first out of the, the Street Twin or, say, the Scrambler when they sort of started 
putting mm. out these, the revivals. Um, my curiosity was which one was actually doing it better or which one's got more hype. And I actually think Triumph's probably got more hype than Ducati does for their classic mm. range. Mm. Um, I don't know. Like, I wonder if that's just uh, by virtue of, of what kind of videos and stuff you watch. That In my realm, because of like publishing lots of street twin videos and also... Um, you know, Instagramming photos of my bike. Like, I just perceive all the people I interact with online and comment on my channel and the other videos that get suggested to me and all that kind of thing. Like, it just, to me, looks like Triumph Modern Classics are, are kind of really, really popular. But then on the times where I've researched about the Scrambler and stuff and maybe, um, you know, how to look into um, some specs or whatever for a video or something or perhaps research some questions about it, there's, like, huge forums about it and loads of popular videos. So, yeah, I, th I don't know... Triumph definitely done a good job of cultivating that kind of brand um, mm. hype and loyalty. And you can see it with the way that they're refreshing their dealers at the moment. They look like Apple stores, yeah. the new ones. Yeah, they they're really, really slick, aren't they? And they, yeah, if you ever go into them as well, like the, the follow-up stuff that you get, the actual customer service element of it, it's very subtly done, but you can tell they've got, like, their training for their actual, their sales reps and stuff. It's extensive, you can tell. They're mm. really, really hammering that And it's hard. like... There's more, everything's black and white and there's only one of each bike and there's a good amount of space around it. And they're just all like beautifully exhibited. It's almost like you're at a miniature bike show in, mm -hmm. in some of those um, dealers now. So yeah, I reckon they do do a great job of that. But yeah, the Rocket 3 is just by a long stretch to pass my expectations. And I think there's probably a combination of factors. So already a cult bike. Yeah. The people who own them absolutely love them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, general kind of triumph brand hype something different as you said in terms of the triumph range but then also like i've seen it transcend motorcycle coverage and press in that things like uh do you know hype beast that website it's like oh, no. it's, i think it started out as trainers and stuff and then they started putting a few flashy cars on there right and then they post some kind of custom bikes and that kind of thing the ones that are very designy design focused and, and they more focus on like the aesthetics of it rather than the specs but you know, I've seen it on on those kinds of sites and mm. and and things like um, yeah, I have some like alerts set up for interesting motorcycle news, and I've seen it popping up in those alerts on um, Maxim and those kinds of like men's lifestyle brands. I think that's a good idea, a good a good way to sort of measure that actually in terms of the hype is if it if it goes it transcends is probably too strong a word, but if it goes beyond <laughs> the uh, the biking community and the people who would normally get and naturally get excited yeah. and hyped about it. And it then hits another market that you know isn't normally excited or interested in bikes. Then you know that it's really hitting a market, mm. and, it's, and you know people are excited about it. Mm. So if that's what the you know the triumphs doing, which is popping up in different feeds, more interesting feeds, then yeah, it's it's got huge. Yeah, I think also like it's interesting that they've launched with like the TFC version. So the production details are like way down the line. You don't really know anything mm. about that. It's just this factory custom model. So it's kind of like putting your best foot forward, the most exclusive, the most tricked out, the most bling version. Uh, and I guess that's going to help it get that kind of coverage as well because it's something that does look like a little bit special. It's kind of dripping in carbon. It does though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. My friend's just got into biking. Like literally, he's taking his tests. I think next week. And he saw the old Rocket even, and just that bike is is unusual looking. It mm. just it does catch your eye. Mm. It's one yeah. of those ones that stands out. The the thing that I found a little bit interesting as well, like when I made the video about the price, the comparison that I made was around: is this good value for money, or will this bike perform well? 
when you compare it to the Ducati Diavel, especially the new one, the 1260S, mm-hmm. I believe. Uh, and that was, to me, you know, from what I'd read previously, uh, there was a lot of speculation on Triumph rap forums and, and those kinds of things that that perhaps the new Rocket was a response to how well the Diavel was selling. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I thought that that was a fair comparison to make. But what I found interesting is a lot of people were saying you can't really compare it to that. That's a, a kind of sports bike with a different riding position, essentially, because it's quite yeah. light, much yeah, yeah. smaller capacity, mm-hmm. much lower torque. And really, the VMAX fans started coming out of the woodwork. Even though it's not in production anymore, it's like an absolute beast. That's probably the that's probably one of the closest comparisons. Yeah, mm. I would say. And and it's I was trying to compare it to things like Harley's and Indians and things. Yeah. But I don't I don't even think because they are if you go for the the ones that are close to this kind of um, budget, the reason they're that expensive is because they come with loads of additional add-ons and stuff. But mm. they're going to be nowhere near. I wouldn't have said it's performance driven because they're real comfortable kind of gliders, right? Yeah. They're, yeah. they're not going to be comparable to the Rocket. I wouldn't have said something like the VMAX probably is closer. Yeah, and then, and then it kind of opened me up to just reading a few of those comments of, of, of this kind of like drag racing world and and it's yet another like motorcycling subculture that perhaps I didn't know that much about, but it seems like the VMAX, the last kind of iteration, which I think has been out of production for years now, it, it seems to be the kind of drag racers bike of choice or, or, or mm. some, some drag racers anyway, you see all sorts drag race, but... Um, yeah, the power and, and, and talk of that bike was something else. And, and so, yeah, that seems to be what people are saying is more of a fair comparison. I've had some other suggestions for things like there was a two litre Kawasaki Vulcan that sold for a few years and that had quite high, high torque. But again, I think, like you say, that's a bit more of a comfy bike. But yeah, it's super interesting. And like I say, I love getting opened up to those little um, subcultures. As I, as I said, a lot of my coverage is around street twin and triumphs and and therefore kind of retros generally mm. but there's loads of stuff even you know uh, motocross and stuff i follow a couple of people on instagram yeah. that do that uh, and, you know track riding and and cruisers yeah. and and yeah there's always something else to kind of um to learn about for me i like for the stuff that i do on the channel i like to to focus on something that interests me probably that only that point so it generally is something new for me mm. and i don't i don't envisage this in my future in terms of test riding sadly but uh yeah it tends to be bikes that i haven't ridden before something you know like the first time i tried the mt10 for example was because i hadn't tried a liter bike before and i kind of wanted to stretch my legs and see that like it was fun i mean i can't really say i got a proper measure of it because it was around london it was you know it was as close as i could or as far as i could go away from the dealership and then get back in time that was kind of yeah that was the test so yeah, like just over an hour, hour and a half. But you can't, you can't get a measure, of, and especially a bike like that, you really can't get the measure of in the space of an hour and a half. I, I just assume that bike dealers must just get loads of time wasters coming and trying bikes, like, <laughs> like, like. <laughs> yeah, I've read some comments on on YouTube of of, of dealers uh, asking people to leave their bags or whatever in case they've got. GoPros with them and they're just yeah, kind of yeah, taking yeah. the bike for us been making yeah. a video and, and and so yeah uh I've been there but I think it's much better to be up front if you can um but it's, it's tricky but anyway my point was gonna be that presumably Triumph dealers are gonna be absolutely inundated with people you know wanting to ride this bike and I wonder how they're gonna filter out who's actually serious and and who's not it's gonna be a while till the production bikes yeah. on, the, on the market I assume the TFC is all already sold out and mm. And they're not going to put that in dealers and they're certainly not going to let people yeah. test ride them. But presumably at some point there'll be 
test models. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm yeah, curious. How do you filter that out? No, I'm curious to that because yeah, I don't think you get maybe as many as we might assume because the one of the there's a few times I've sort of noticed it, but I was in a Ducati dealership once and someone rang up to um to book their bike in for an MOT and they did ring up and say, "Can I take out the Panigale?" <laughs> like the, whatever it's the worth top, top tier was, and and they were like, okay. I mean, the guy you could see was sort of like, right, why? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but exactly. didn't want to say no to him. So I think in the end, they actually managed to get out on it. Um, but I, I really, I don't think it's maybe as common as we we might seem. I would hope not, because otherwise that would be. I think with like annoying. car, you know, more like exotic car dealers or whatever. It's it's about having a relationship with them. Yeah with the, the potential buyers and like if they know that they're going to buy that car because they've bought in the past or that they're, they're seriously thinking about it then they might let them take it out but they're not yeah. going to let you waltz up to a Ferrari dealer and, and just take one out for a spin I wonder if bikes might head that way a little bit if this becomes kind of too much of a problem but also yeah. you know I've been places where they charge you a tenner and they say it's to cover yeah. the insurance yeah. in a way I'm kind of fine with that I'm happy I with think it. it, it I don't it, mind yeah because it probably does put off the people who are totally just trying to blag a free yeah. ride. But like, if you you seriously want to consider buying it, then you probably won't mind paying a tenner. Uh, and then you might have some people in between who are just looking to do whatever. Maybe they're making videos for their YouTube, or maybe they're, you know, just want a bit of a jolly on an hour for a nice with, on a nice bike. In which case, tenner, you know, doesn't seem too bad. And it's the long sell as well. I ended up buying a a triumph after yeah <laughs> no but seriously it does work though because yeah. I, I mean it, yeah it, like you say unfortunately you've got to, <laughs> you shouldn't be thinking of it sort of long term like oh maybe they'll buy a bike in, in a few months slash years mm. but genuinely if it sticks with you if it's a bike that you take out and go actually that was awesome yeah you probably will end up leaning towards buying it maybe in the future and I know mm. there's, there's more than a few that I've gone out and I would yeah I'm seriously contemplating if I ever get the sort of the means to have more than one bike Mm. I'd be I'd be aiming to get one or two of them. I mean, to get back the speed twin would definitely be one of those ones I was looking at. But yeah, back to the rocket. Do you personally think that it's decent enough value? Would you spend twenty five grand? Well, <laughs> it, that's a high, purely hypothetical question. You don't uh, have twenty five grand. Well, <laughs> even if I did, I'm not sure that yeah, I'd get it past the domestic finance committee. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, I don't know. I think it's like if you've got the money, and it's like this. It's a really unusual bike, yeah. two and a half liter bike. They don't come along very often. No. And then it's a collector's version. So if yeah. you are a collector and you have that kind of money, possibly. I mean, do you think? But do you think it's overpriced though? For what you're getting from it? Um, I can sense it's not. Oh no, no okay. I don't know. It's like it's, it's so much money, isn't it? But then even like if you look at the price of cars now. Like cars are way more expensive. Like twenty five grand, you maybe used to think, well, you could get a nice car for that. But actually, you can't really get a nice car for that anymore. You can get like a family car for that, probably. Mm. So when you consider what this, I mean, this is top tier. It's not like so yeah. if you go for it's, this isn't a hatchback of bikes. This is yes, yeah, it's like it's something crazy, it's like yeah, a muscle car basically. Yeah. But like the most extreme muscle car. Well, exactly. And then it's been modded at the factory a bit to make it even more special. And that's the thing about biking, like the top tier stuff. I mean, of course, there are going to be the occasional, you know, customs or like weird one offs. But from a, pa- a factory bike, that's as exotic as it can get. And then mm. 25 grand's the limit. And there's been loads of debate on the on the video about the price that I put on, on YouTube about, you know, whether that's too much. And loads of yeah. people falling down on either side of like, yeah, I think it's pretty reasonable for something so special. 
other people saying it's got out of control and this is just ridiculous how much bikes cost now. Sure. I, but I think those people, unfortunately, aren't differentiating between I want that bike, it's too much money for me. Please mm. make it 15 grand slash 10 so I can afford it. Mm. And what it's actually, you know, what the development of that would cost and what the actual parts themselves and labour to create something like that would mm. genuinely cost. Yeah. Are I, they I, making a huge amount on the top of that? I don't know. Hard to tell, yeah, but yeah, yeah until like, you speak got, to them. But. Got to charge enough for it to be worth it for them to, to bother, basically. And, and people's demands on what bikes should cost are pretty interesting anyway. Like, yeah. A lot of the comments I get... On my channel around, like, people being a bit sore that a lot of trains are produced in Thailand. Yeah. But also they want bikes to be developed and modern and, and yeah. be cutting edge. I think quite often people say that bikes are a long way behind where cars are uh, in terms of, like, technology and, and that kind of thing. And I just always find some of those demands that, like, customers expect of bike companies to be a bit... Uh, counterproductive on one another or a bit exclusive yeah you know? um, yeah it's they they contradict each other to a certain degree so like you say if they if it's made in thailand it brings the price down to a point where it's you know it triumph isn't the cheapest brand out there but you know it's within sort of reasonable threshold but likewise you get people complaining that it's it's made in these places if you made it somewhere like the uk for people who you know I don't know what their sort of problem is with the build quality in Thailand, but if they if it was made somewhere in Europe, say the price of it would then go would go. Yeah, quite I don't high. know if the problem is necessarily to do with like the build. I think possibly there is a perceived lack of quality. But you know, I went on the Triumph factory tour the other year, and what they were saying about it, and of course they're going to be quite positive about it. But you know, it's a Triumph factory designed from spec. It's essentially a copy of a Triumph factory in the UK. Yes, it's the same levels of quality control, the same tests in place, yeah. that kind of thing. So, really, in terms of quality, are you are you really kind of getting that um, that dip just from yeah. it being produced there? I I don't think so personally. Nope. I think it's more about it being a British motorcycle manufacturer and and people wanting that to be true to the core yeah, of the company. Yeah, they want it to mean more than just, for it to mean jobs yeah. in the country and and that kind of thing. And and I can kind of understand that. I mean. I, yeah, so do I, but then, like you say, so BMW, KTM, they both produce things in India as well. That brings down the price. Maybe, it, maybe it becomes more galling for them when when Triumph really market themselves as like... As a, yeah, yeah. fine. Okay. Much like Harley, you know, it's like this all-American all brand, rather. And um, and then they, you know, talked about producing stuff off uh, out of the US. And I kind of understand that, actually. I think it's fine to produce stuff overseas if that's what uh, makes it viable. I think what I was trying to get at there was... If you want bikes to be produced at a reasonable cost um, or sold at a reasonable price, rather, and you want them to be kind of well developed and, and competing with, you know, Japanese bikes and, mm -hmm. and those kinds of things, um, then you got to accept the company's got to do what they got to do in order to produce bikes at a reasonable cost to them mm -hmm. or, or a competitive cost. Competitive, yeah. Maybe then it's like, OK, well, don't market as this all. Like, yeah, no, no, yeah, no you're right. But... But then minis still have Union Jacks on them and they're definitely not a British car anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Yeah, I don't know if I've got anything more to say on the rocket. I mean, we barely talked about the rocket. We, really, yeah, we really didn't. Sorry, <laughs> we, we digressed a little bit. <laughs> we digressed we, <laughs> straight just, away. Just a, yeah, just a tad. Um, but I think, uh, all in all, it looks pretty great. Uh, chance, it does look good. Chances of a test ride, slim. Slim. I think in terms of, if you look at the market that it's playing with, it, I don't, wouldn't have said it's massively overpriced for actually what you're getting in... in like well, they sold comparatively, out. right? Yeah, well, there you go. So there's clearly something. That's the acid test, isn't it? Ultimately, yeah, do they is. sell out? If they sold out, then. Uh... And you're wondering whether or not it would compete with the Diablo in terms of performance, and it's like you say, it's a different bike, I suppose. So, 
yeah much bigger so uh i've got a few other stories written down here but i thought we might actually skip on to one that i was just uh thinking kind of shoehorns in nicely with this because it was the barnum's classic motorcycle auction it's like a spring sale at the stafford bike show every year and you always get this massive massive wealth of of these really quite expensive bikes i think the top selling one this year um let me just double check have it up it was the Coventry Eagle 981, the so, Flying 8. There you go. Bike from 1925, 200,000, no, sorry, £218,500. And then always you get a, a bunch of Bruffs yeah. and Vincents and, 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 you know, the next bike's 207 grand. Um, that's a Bruff Superior. And then there's loads of bikes in their range. Trans from 60. Yeah, yeah. Just... I, iconic, really, isn't it? If you're going to go... when The obvious ones are, like you say, like the Bruff Superior, I mean, that's just always going to go for crazy money, regardless. Yeah, and so, uh, based on what we're saying about the Rocket and that TFC model being a collector's bike, essentially, 750 of them made. And what was that top-selling bike? It was produced in 1925, so almost 100 years ago. Mm. Realistically, is the TFC Rocket going to be worth, uh, you know, a quarter of a million? Is it going to... 10 times its value in 100 years. <laughs> I mean, that's a very difficult question. So what you was, yeah, so it, actually it'd be interesting, to, I don't know how much they were when they first came out because that would be an interesting sort of uh, comparison would be to say if this is, because it's not that it's so much that it's going to be 200,000 You mean You mean the one that sold for... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm curious. The Coventry Eagle 981cc Flying 8. I'm curious the, what they came out at originally, what the original price of, of that was. So yeah, what's, yeah, I mean, that's quite interesting. So, essentially it would have had to have been about i suppose you would have to just like inflation and all that kind of thing yeah so we need some i hold on let me let me we, see we need someone with more kind of <laughs> mathematical capacities than than what we have here but um yeah essentially you would that that bike would have had to have been 20 grand to be and it, there's no way that that's the case there is no way that it was that much I can't. I don't even think it's going to be listed anywhere. What it would have been. Originally. I. I. Yeah. I doubt it. it's going to be difficult to find that original selling price of that. But assume it was like fifty shillings or something, <laughs> whatever that. Basically, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's going to be how many years' wages or something? Two hundred and eighteen. Yeah. Um, are there any bikes <laughs> available at the moment that we see being worth crazy figures in yeah. future auctions? If it. So is the TFC going to be worth two More million? Than, yeah. Or, or whatever in a hundred years' time, like hard to say but it it feels like to me where at the moment we're on the precipice of like moving into electric vehicles you know yeah. there, there's this idea that there won't be any internal combustion engine cars on sale by 20 whenever and that'll probably get pushed back a bit but surely the same is coming at some point for bikes even though they, they use a lot less fuel there will come a point where whatever it is if electric is the way that we go for the next hundred years which probably will adapt in itself whether or not in a hundred years' time, if you bought that at an auction, you could even use the thing because could you find petrol? Um, right, yeah. But as a collector's item, as a collector's item, would it be worth that? I'm not sure if that. Because what does would... a what, what would a Coventry Eagle 1925 run on? Like the same fuel as you have today? No, surely it'd be two stroke, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be? I I don't know. It's a bit of oil. Thousand cc. So yeah. Oh. Imagine a thousand cc two stroke. That'd be insane. Can't I don't. Be. What makes you think it's because it's so old? <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no way it's got. It's definitely got to be four stroke. I don't know. 
we're, maybe we need to read into this and, we, uh, and, yeah, and revisit. But I'm, I guess my point is, like, could it run on modern petrol, like, 100 years later? I don't know. So in which case, that hasn't seemed to diminish its value. But I just feel like, because we're on the cusp of, like, moving into um, electric bikes, this might almost be... That could potentially increase its value because you're right on the edge of, of this mm. era of bikes becoming extinct. And it's a kind of limited run in that area and also it's such an unusual the highest torque production by the biggest capacity true it's a really difficult one to tell but what i would say is that generally speaking they have they have a story to them if they're going to go for stupid sums Mm. oh you mean so if you get something yeah right so if you go for something like a bruff you're going on the lawrence of arabia kind of Mm. theme right it's got an iconic figure attached if you go for a triumph tr6 you're going for the steve mcqueen kind of attachment to it something similar to that so it's not enough that it's old and it's a it's it was an interesting bike i think it needs to have a story to it or some sort of connection which would be tough at the moment other than something so you need something that maybe had a lot of um a lot it would cost a lot to begin with something like the kawasaki h2 for example which is crazy fast in a straight line which if you're looking at something like the bruff was as well that was kind of what it was Mm. ticketed as and the H2 is going to be used in uh, the newest Top Gun film, which is coming out, which Tom Cruise is, is using. So at least there's some kind of attachment. If you saw him riding around on it just all the time, was it the, maybe it's at least got some sort of cinema the, cool to it. In the original Top Gun, was that a Katana? Oh, no, it wasn't. It was a Kawasaki, uh, Kawasaki GPZ 900, so Ninja. But... I think it's a fair kind of point that when you look at Bonhams and some of these like big selling bikes, they take the logbook and look at all the owners over the years. And sometimes they have these kind of interesting histories. So I guess what you're saying is like either a film star or a movie or a significant kind of cultural, you know, piece of whatever content might make that bike iconic but yeah. also like the ownership of them as well. But yeah, I don't really know what that would be. Because maybe the HR, maybe the Keanu's yeah, company. yeah, maybe Natch would go for that. I mean, they're already sort of crazy. But is he Steve, Steve McQueen? He's not Steve McQueen, but <laughs> but um, but yeah, neither's Tom Cruise. You know, there's it's. I mean, they don't make movie stars like that anymore. Mm. They also, you know, yeah, potentially know don't mean. make vehicles like that anymore. It's interesting you say that though, because I saw that one of the Triumph dealers I follow on Instagram today was they shared like a series on their Instagram stories of of, of people on triumphs in in movies or movie stars on triumphs. So yeah. like things like, um, I think it's Pam Anderson in Barbed Wire. She's on like a black Triumph nice. Tiger. <laughs> totally done. I'm not sure that's going to convince many people to, to buy one. But also, the first one they posted was The Rock sat on the previous generation of Rocket. Right. I don't know if it was, oh, maybe it, he looked like he was wearing a uh, waistcoat and suit trousers and sunglasses, and I've never seen it, but I think that's what he wears when he's acting in uh, Ballers, is it? It's like a TV series. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's yeah, sat yeah, on a big rocket like this. Yeah, I don't know if he rides it in the show. I don't even know if he rides motorbikes. Well, potentially, I think I think a lot of uh, a lot of movie stars, more than you probably think, actually. I did a little re- bit of research on, on oh, kind of you? celebrities that ride, and some of them did are surprising. Did you ever publish yeah. anything about no, I No, I didn't, no. Um, I was, yeah. I'll uh, be, I'll a great post, video yeah. then, I've got made. <laughs> Yeah, um, I will make that in the future. Now, <laughs> mine was that genuine. is a really good video. <laughs> I'm going to race you to it. What, the like um, 10 best celebrity bikers? Got to be. I mean, mm. the, there are some quite obvious ones, but there are some more obscure ones as well. Mm. Um, but more than you think, because <laughs> a lot of them have got a lot of downtime on their hands and a fair <laughs> amount of money as well, right? And they also get sponsorships to the degree where they might get a free bike, for example. I also thought, like, perhaps it's a 
requirement of some productions that they're in, basically. Like, some movies are going to require you to ride a bike. So Yeah, some of them definitely are, yeah. There was um, really... Uh... Oh, God, his name's gone out of my head. He's a stunt guy. He doesn't do a lot of straight sort of leading man roles. Um, for God's sake. He played uh, Weapon X in the original... Yeah, Is that a Marvel film? Yeah, yeah, yeah no, no, I don't, I don't, I don't watch, know. Didn't watch comic book films. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're lame. <laughs> um, no, in the in the movies, um, Adkins, uh, Scott Adkins. Sorry, the insulting thing is, I'm supposed to be remembering that I actually saw him once on an off-road experience. So I was in Wales once doing an off-road day. And he is a he's a stunt guy. He's an action guy, really, um, who does a fair amount of films where he is the lead as well. But for him, being a stunt guy, he kind of needed this extra skill. So he'd passed his one two five license, mm. and he was doing this off road day. I mean, he probably wouldn't want to remember it too too you know too closely because there was a lot of people there who were obviously more experienced, and I could see from him that he was a little embarrassed that I'd sort of recognised. <laughs> My God, I know your face. Um, but yeah, he he as part of the role definitely felt like he needed to uh, to learn how to ride a bike because it was quite important. Someone like Ryan Reynolds, uh, who I think has ridden for a long time, actually. But definitely that comes into play in some of his films. Yeah, I wonder if also, like, one part of it is having... Well, I don't know. I was just reading about Prince Harry the other day. And he, him and Prince William both into their bikes a bit. Yeah, William's got the bobber, right? There was a picture of him with the bobber. I think that was when he did the factory tour. But I was reading this story about Prince Harry ordering, um, like, a Ducati. I don't know which one. 899 or something like that. And then had it custom painted black with, like, red and green stripes down the side so yeah a little bit of a custom job going on but he apparently got into it because obviously they've got quite a lot of land to say the yeah, least yeah. and so he had like little trail bikes that 125s and stuff that he used yeah. to razz around the estate on and then get into it that way so I wonder if I think that one surprises me more though having land def- having <laughs> land and time and money <laughs> definitely gets you into bikes I think that one surprises me more because of the, the kind of the molly coddling nature that you would assume is around them I know obviously they went to the military as well both of them but um, yeah you always just assume that they're wrapped in cotton wool and because they're an asset no one, everyone's gonna be like don't get a bike like they wouldn't want to see him on it because it's got this reputation as being dangerous mm. same goes for movie stars I know that when they when they're filming stuff the insurance won't let them use their own stuff occasionally you know mm. um, because they're they're an asset you know yeah for sure I don't know if uh, what kind of house like you grew up in ours had a reasonable size garden but I still don't think <laughs> I could go around the pond. Actually, I had a pond. I'm going to sound real posh. We had a pond. Yeah, we had some land. It was a bucket, wasn't <laughs> yeah. it? To be honest, it yeah. was a bucket. It was. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think I would have managed to have pulled that off if I'd have pitched that to my parents. Can I get a, a scrambler to go around the garden? Um, anyway, I was just saying about being on the precipice of like moving into electric, uh, electric bikes, and and this is something as well that comes up quite a lot in my feed of, of news. So uh, one story I picked out here was Ducati a while back talked about launching electric bikes, said that they're looking into it, and there's loads of other manufacturers been talking about it as well as the dedicated electric bike manufacturers. You've also got things like Harley with the Live Wire coming out mm. later this year. Um, there was a questionnaire that Triumph sent out to their customers, which included a question, you know, would you like to see us making electric bikes? I think that is more to gauge the reaction of the market rather than mm. whether they should do it or not. Which or whether be, or not they're even doing it right now. They're yeah, it's like much more something. dictated by regulations and, the and you know, like, um, yeah. yeah, that kind of thing than whether people want them to or not. 
Uh, but yeah, the, the kind of news of, uh, of Ducati looking into it and saying that a kind of superbike is in the works. I think one of their designers said something along those lines. But there's this article from this week saying that they've released an electric scooter that's actually made by a company in China. So it's just kind of like a branding exercise and that kind of thing, which feels a little bit... I that, sounds, that's, that feels risky to me. Cheapening. Yeah, it does though. If you release something... Yeah, exactly. If you've got a brand and you've got a, a brand name to... Um, keep up and to maintain if you release something that maybe isn't as good quality as people want or expect it can dilute your brand a little bit yeah i don't know potentially but if they haven't got the technology at the moment to make their own electric vehicles then i suppose they have to do that yeah there's a few approaches isn't there there's like sink loads of money into like developing one apparently harley put some ridiculous sum i was reading the other day millions or maybe even more than that into developing it and they looked at buying potentially one of the startups because there's quite a lot of yeah. um, companies that go out of business within a few years that that seem to start up trying to make um, mm-hmm. an electric bike completely you know without buying anything in and it, and it just seems like an expensive job so you know either develop it yourself or buy a startup that's struggling but has the technology and some of the research yeah or partner with somebody but it seems like they're kind of gone down this route quite quickly um, it could be huge for them I mean when you're saying like I think yeah another one of the articles is how sort of um, how Harley is doing at the moment it's obviously not great financially mm. um, this I want to say make or break but it, it could be pivotal could be important if they nail the electric bike mm. which I don't think it's as far as the price point goes I don't think it's at a, a point where everyone's going to jump on board with it but if they make a really good product it could help them hugely if that's the way this all goes with electric. But this, like, you know, reading about this scooter, I'm just having a quick scan through it. Yeah, the company's called Vmoto, and they make... Uh, it's a parent company of Super Soco. So I guess they make um, scooters as well. It's literally, like, a 30-mile-an-hour scooter um, that has 3.75 horsepower. Uh, I assume it's quite lightweight. But it just really feels like, yeah, 46-mile range. So this is just mm. for zipping around the shops or or you could possibly commute in london i think my commute's about 10 miles so i could easily do that charge it overnight yeah but yeah this isn't this isn't really like what you would associate with their brand which i guess is what you're saying and i wonder if they're looking at um how do we use the ducati brand to you know make a little bit of cash you see that with ferrari they stick their their kind of logo and partner with people all the time yeah no, it's not. I wouldn't have said it's uncommon. I would say for this, they. I guess what they would be aiming for. I would say it's closer sort of um, marketing something like the Vespa, which obviously for an Italian market does really well. If you can find for cities and stuff, people who just want a scooter, something to get around on, mm. uh, it's probably not a bad direction to go in. To be honest, mm. if there's a market for it, and they, they will only have done it if there's a market for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think one of the things you brought up with me was whether or not it's worth just going for a bicycle, whether people would even do oh, that. Oh yeah, for sure. Like that, that, that was another thing that, um, I picked up. There was a, a story where there's this electric bike and they'd made it look a bit retro. So they put a tank on it and a bench seat, uh, and it had a round headlight on the front, but then obviously a battery where the motor would be, but it, it's essentially a bicycle. Um, you know, they can have disc brakes now like it did. It had mud guards, um, and it had pedals because it's a bicycle, but it's really on the cusp of, of a motorcycle or an electric motorcycle. Um, it had mm. similar figures to this. So it would do 30 and it had about 50 miles of range. So I think very similar to this scooter in many ways in terms of the performance. But um, there's so many it's yeah massive advantages, aren't there? Yeah. 
There are, yeah. To using the, I would say to a bicycle. There's a few actually. The some of the most popular, and I know one of them is really popular in, in the states at the moment. I think it's in San Francisco more because it, it just it's got a kind of a cool element to it. It's the Super Seventy Three. If you've seen that at all, yeah. So that's that's one thousand three hundred, or it's about to be one thousand three hundred dollars. I think it's going up to. Mm. Um, I can't imagine that that Ducati scooter is going to come in anywhere close to that. And if it does thirty miles an hour as this does, yeah. For me personally, I mean. Just looking at it from my own perspective, but that's why I would buy it. It just it would be a no-brainer between the two. Even with a motorbike license, I probably wouldn't go for something like that scooter over this bicycle, which is you know a lot cheaper. Because that's the thing. A lot of uh, the speculation around like Harley is they've really gone for that heritage brand. That their market's getting older and older and older. They're not really bringing young people into biking, and generally that's a problem across biking. It's well expensive to get. A license and you're kind of limited by age of, as to what kind of bikes you can ride so mm. that's not that appealing insurance and like maintenance costs like servicing bikes at a dealer if you get a new bike super yeah. expensive parking in london you have to pay in some places if you forget to pay you're going to get a fine yeah um theft is theft is massive you yeah. know it's got better over like the last year or so mm. i would say but it's still a big concern. You don't want to put all that money into something. No, with with a bicycle, you might be able to get it somewhere small, you know, indoors. If you have a house and you can get the bicycle indoors, it's safer for you, right? Lift it as well. Like, you can probably lift an electric bike quite easily. If you're at work or whatever, you can put it in the bike shed or or put it on a bike rack where you can see it. You don't have to leave it on the road or find somewhere to, to store it. So I'm just thinking, like, if the goal is to get younger people into it and you're thinking about younger people perhaps living in a metropolitan setting where mm. range speed aren't super important you know 30s fine it's not exactly like a thrill but there are very few places legally you can go much quicker than that in town most cities i just can't really see how there's like any appeal to to paying to get your bike license um paying loads of money for an electric bike um and go through all the hassle of it this is just yeah. like i mean yeah if it's for if it's for practical reasons like that i definitely would assume well, I would assume people wouldn't go that direction because I know people who ride bikes and are massively into bikes and still only have something like their CBT or their, you know, their uh, A2 license because they don't need to go for something bigger at the moment. They can just keep renewing their CBT or something like yeah. that. And if if you can ride one of these on the road at the same speed, you could an electric scooter, but you don't have to take a license and you can just do it. I think a bigger question might be if something depends on what sort of size they cut off as to whether or not you would need a license to use it. Because if you can use mm. one of these in the same way that you can use a motorbike, do we get to a stage where you start licensing people to ride bigger, so more no powerful bikes. electric bicycles? So if you're yeah. in a 20 limit and you're doing 30, oh, yeah. that this is capable <laughs> yeah, of. Hell yeah. <laughs> Straight through. Are you, yeah. Bike lanes, uh, sorry, bus lanes and bike lanes. You're yeah. Like, I mean, that's kind of questionable, being able to do 30 mile an hour, like, on the flat, yeah, most That's of London's hard twenty to now. that on a push bike, yeah, through down a down a bike lane, yeah, it's super interesting. It opens up a, a whole bunch of uh, of problems there, I suppose. But um, you know, that's always going to be the case when you've got something new like that. But yeah, yeah, I just restrictions think... tend to take a while to catch up to the technology actually moving forward, especially nowadays. Actually, technology moves forward way quicker than the restrictions or the sort of um, yeah the guidelines that go with it. What I don't actually moves. know as well is with like A two licenses and all that stuff, it's by horsepower so uh, yes so the same thing yeah. applies to electric bikes I guess electric motorbikes rather I assume Ye- it's just like I, it, yeah maybe like, I would yeah actually no do you, I don't think at the moment um, because when I took out I took out the Zero I don't know if you've been on an electric you? bike yeah I've been on both the FXS and the S Zero S um, sweet 
How was and it? And I liked it a lot. It was interesting, but I, I, you have to be very careful what you say about it because there are early adopters that are very defensive of it. Mm. And it really is a, a hot button topic. You get people who absolutely hate it and don't want to see the industry mm. go that way. And you get people who, despite maybe my optimism and saying, yeah, this is definitely a direction I'll go in the future, it's exciting, it's interesting, they seem to ignore that and just dwell on any little thing you pick up or, or point yeah. out about it that might be considered a flaw, even if it's a reasonable flaw, something like range or mm. not being able to charge it on the street. I've got a, a neighbour who's just bought an electric car mm. and they have to traipse a cable out of their bedroom window <laughs> down the side of their house and plug it in at night. And yeah. it's just, it's not for a lot of people, That's it's not feasible for, for a fair amount of the market at the moment. And the... The infrastructure that surrounds it isn't quite there yet, and when you point out things like that, people get very defensive or you know frustrated with it, and you know call you a naysayer or say you you know stuck in the Stone Age. Yeah. It's not the case. I'm happy to move that way as soon as it becomes more viable for more people. And it is interesting. It was a really fun thing to use. The other thing I brought up was noise, which again is a really kind of contentious subject. I say that they need a noise. Evidently, the European councils agree with me because they're actually uh, going to make it a legislation that electric vehicles, EVs, need to make some sort of noise. I think they said on the Harley Livewire that it's going to be customizable. They have, yeah. Which Now, I said that when I brought it out first and I reviewed the, the Zeros, I was saying that you could, you know, program, make it fun, make it something like a sat-nav. If you think of the something um, like... Uh, Elon Musk seems to sort of get it mm. with the cars, that you, you make it fun experience, a really, really interesting thing. I mean, his cars dance, for God's sake. You can, you can press a button and it will lights go off and the doors open and close mm. and stuff. And it's got these stupid features on it which are fun and enjoyable. And that's how you get people a little bit more excited in moving that way. That's how you get them on board a little bit more. You sort of you tease them with these fun little things yeah. that you can't do with your, your usual car, with your normal petrol-powered vehicle. I was, um, and I think being able to customise the sound of it, being able to choose what bike you want it to sound like would be a great feature. I was chatting with someone on Instagram about it and they were saying they would choose uh, two-stroke. Sure. <laughs> yeah, why not? I'd, yeah, I'd probably choose my dad's old two-stroke, something like that. I mean, I'd change it probably weekly. I'd change my ringtones every few months. Yeah. I'd probably be changing it. Yeah. Depends what sort of ride you're doing, right? If you want to be going out and uh, Ben slaying, you might want to stick it on... Ducati Panigale. Yeah, 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 but if you go out for a Sunday jaunt, maybe some <laughs> yeah. smooth jazz. I'd stick it on a foghorn occasionally, you know? Yeah, could yeah. do. I'd filter in. Bicycle, yeah, yeah. You do constant foghorn. <laughs> yeah, constant <laughs> foghorn, yeah. People wouldn't get annoyed with that, not in, not in the least. I'd go for like the card and the spokes sound like it was an old bicycle. But yeah, it's interesting what you're saying about like getting those dedicated people when you publish a review of something and then you get all these comments that people are very kind of defensive about their bike and that's just something we've talked about in the past yeah, so it's yeah. super interesting when you publish a review on youtube of a bike you kind of expect people to want a balanced view of yeah. whether it's a good bike or not and what the pros and cons are because maybe they're thinking about buying it but the reality is there's a few of those people <laughs> but 90 percent of the people watching these videos have already bought it and they're just watching it to see what other people got to say about it and they'll just go through them all and so you're right, if you do say negative things, quite often people will be like, that's not true, or, or that's not really the case. But yeah, the question of whether or not you would own one, whether or not you would want to get one, I think, uh, I, I definitely would. It's a fun thing. I think if you get the chance, and that's one of these uh, bikes where actually, I don't think dealerships do mind you going and just having a go on the Zeros, because a lot of them, I think, have partnered more with Honda. Uh, right. Enough, but 
equally they they've been approached by zero to you know to put these bikes in to get a buzz going to, to get people trying it because it's it's a real leap of faith if you've never ridden it or tried mm. it before so for a lot of people wanting to go out and just check out how these things you know respond whether it's going to work for them um you can just go and they're, they're usually more than happy to just let you have a try because you know you can't just take it on faith that you're going to enjoy something like that i've heard as well it. that a lot of people say once you ride an electric bike like it's kind of addictive you it's know cool. the twist and go talky just kind of like no gears just yeah flies so i think yeah by that kind of um you know by that virtue i think they have to be pretty open to people test riding them but anyway what what could i say we've gone from sort of bigging up a big two and a half liter beast of a motorbike <laughs> yeah. Uh, to now actually saying that electric bikes are pretty good and that might be the future. So it probably feels like a good place to stop. And I've got parental duties to nip off for as well. So <laughs> um, anyway, thanks for listening if you did. And yeah, we'll see see what the response is like if we do upload this. <laughs> and, and hopefully be back again. Yeah, if nothing else, it's just fun to talk about bikes, isn't it? True. Like-minded individuals. Thank you very much. <laughs> Cheers.